0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters, I'm Tasha Radel, and I'm joined by Eminence, Bill Werner, Brent Palm, and Ashley Walker. We're going to delve into what's happening in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the Salvation Army's Red Kettle Campaign is underway, maintaining healthy eating habits over the holidays. The Christmas tree season is upon us, but first.
1: For too long, these people have not received the care they need and that a caring society should provide.
0: Minnesotans are among those remembering and lauding former First Lady Rosalind Carter, who died last Sunday at her home in Plains, Georgia, at the age of 96. She was a tireless advocate for human rights and is especially known for her work in mental health.
1: It can be diagnosed, it can be treated, and almost everyone suffering from mental illness can be helped.
0: Rosalind Carter broke ground before, during, and after her time in the White House.
1: One is to speak out and get people talking about mental illness so so that, that everybody in our country can realize that it's just an illness like any other illness. Minnesota has had strong ties to the Carters, not only through the late former Vice President Walter Mondale, but also from the many endeavors the former President and First Lady spearheaded in their time after the White House, One of those is Habitat for Humanity, an organization that builds homes for those who otherwise couldn't afford them. Habitat for Humanity's Minnesota president and CEO is former St. Paul Mayor Chris Coleman.
2: As a couple, they were out uh, every year working side by side, building houses together, hammering nails, doing all the hard work. Uh, it was always just about service and, and helping other people. It was never about them.
1: And I know the former president and former first lady were themselves in the Twin Cities at one point. Can you tell us about that?
2: The Twin Cities hosted the Carter Work Project in, 19, in 2010. Uh, Jimmy and Rosalind was here. It was a little bit different deal back then. They ho- they hosted it in multiple cities uh, across the United States. I think there were four or five cities that they hosted it in. It was also the first year that Darth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood worked on uh, on the Carter Work Project. But next year, in 2024, we'll be hosting the Carter Work Project again. Uh, the, uh, Garth and Tricia will be the official hosts of the event, and uh, we'll have up to 2,000 volunteers working for the week on 40 different homes over on the east side of St. Paul.
1: That's a wonderful legacy of, uh, of Rosalind Carter and Jimmy Carter.
2: Well, again, in, especially in times where politics are, are so divisive and so nasty, um, you know, you think about their their leadership and how they demonstrated uh, by their actions what what uh, you know you know service uh, was supposed to be about. You know, they they weren't about in it for themselves; they were in it for for others and and to try to make the country better, make the world better. And then in their you know post White House life, they they were humble enough to go sleep on church basements if that was what was necessary and work uh, to help build houses.
1: I dare say, I think that they're reputation grew over the years even after jimmy carter's uh uh, service in the white house
2: well you know the carters could have easily gone left the white house and gotten rich (laughs) and uh big fancy place somewhere but they were you know that's not who they were
1: habitat for humanities minnesota ceo and president former st paul mayor chris coleman Another organization with very strong ties to the North Star State is the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation, an addiction treatment and advocacy group formed in 2014 by the merger of the Minnesota-based Hazelden Foundation with the Betty Ford Center in California. A trustee of that combined organization is Susan Ford Bales. Her mother, former First Lady Betty Ford, publicly disclosed her long-standing struggle with alcoholism and substance abuse and ultimately founded the Betty Ford Center. And she found much common ground with former First Lady Rosalind Carter, a strong mental health advocate. Susan Ford-Bales told us recently that Mrs. Ford and Mrs. Carter were truly the best of friends.
3: Mrs. Carter was passionate about her support in matters related to mental health. Both she and my mother would go up on the Hill when they were fighting parity before we had parity. And Mrs. Carter would go to the Democratic side and my mother would go to the Republican side of the Capitol and do whatever they could to change the legislation and and get parity passed, which, of course, it eventually did. It took a long time. But, you know, you also have to remember that Mrs. Carter was one of the eulogists at my mother's funeral. So they had a bond that was just so unique, um, and it, it just, it was a really special friendship that the two of them had.
1: You talk about the uniqueness of the bond, and I can't help but make the observation, and I'm sure I'm not the first one, that um, Mrs. Carter's husband uh, defeated your uh, father in the 1976 presidential election. How did did that bond form, even even in that context?
3: Well, you know, um, they both fought a good battle, and yes, my father was defeated by President Carter. But after office, Uh, after President Carter's office and after my dad's presidential office. Also, they agreed upon certain issues. They wrote op-eds together. They did things together because they knew it was the best for the nation. It's back at the old days of reaching across the aisle, which we don't see a lot of today.
1: You have also anticipated my next question about your comments, uh, how things were done differently back then. Uh, in terms of reaching across the aisle, and I think most observers would agree with that. Um, do you think that there is something that we can learn from Rosalind Carter today?
3: Oh, I think there's plenty to be learned by Mrs. Carter. You, you know, the work that she did with mental health and she and President Carter did with specific diseases and, you know, eliminating them out of the world um, will always live on, always.
1: Susan Ford Bales, trustee of the Hazelton Betty Ford Foundation and daughter of former President Gerald Ford and former First Lady Betty Ford, who forged a strong friendship with former First Lady Rosalind Carter. One of Minnesota's most long-standing advocates for mental health is Sue Abderholden, executive director of the Minnesota chapter of NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Abderholden says Rosalind Carter was a tremendous advocate in every way possible for mental health.
4: The other thing that she did that was really uh, somewhat different is she also cared a lot about the caregivers. She said, we can't forget the people who are supporting someone with a serious mental illness. Um, They're going through a lot as well, and we need to make sure that they have support.
1: And in fact, that effort extended even and beyond those w- with uh, who were caregiving for those with mental illness, right, uh, to those right. Who are caregiving for uh, loved ones with physical illnesses as well.
4: Yes, no, definitely
1: would it be fair to say that that uh, Rosalind Carter and Betty Ford are really the ones who spearheaded um, uh, the push for mental health parity on insurance coverage?
4: I would say yes, and then I would add in, frankly, um, the Kennedys and Wellstone and Dominici. Understand and, Ramstead. And, Ramstead. and Jim
1: Ramstead as well. So, the, yep. Right, the Third District, mm-hmm. longtime Third District Congressman as well. So all yes. of those, all of those people. Um, and decades later, we're a chunk of the way there, right? But there's still some work to be done.
4: Oh, yeah, we are not there yet, okay. I, unfortunately. So I, under, I understated or I, I
1: overstated <laughs> it more optimistically than I should have. Okay, please, continue. Uh, yes.
4: <laughs> yes, definitely. But, I mean, we definitely have made progress. Um, you know, people are talking about mental illness as more... Um, We have laws on the books that are really supposed to protect people from discrimination, especially under, you know, health insurance policies, but we're not there yet in terms of enforcement and really making sure that people can access the care that they need when and where they need it.
1: Even after there is no more stigma, which I'm not sure will come in my lifetime, but but, uh, I hope it will, but even after we don't have stigma to work on, there's always going to have to be a lobby to get the services that we need. Our thanks to the Carter Center for those remembrances of the late former First Lady, Rosalind Carter. Tasha?
0: Thanks, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. Ask anyone with a DWI if it was worth it.
3: They'll tell you it's no holiday. Impaired driving kills the holiday spirit. Drive sober.
1: Drive smart. Extra enforcement now on Minnesota roads. A message from the Minnesota Department of Public
2: Safety. Veterans, whatever you're going through, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov slash reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council.
0: Did you know that birthday parties help build confidence in kids? Yeah. Did you know that giving kids less sugar before bedtime helps them sleep better?
5: Oh, totally. Did you know that friendly kids have more friends?
0: Everybody knows that. Hey, guys, did you know that
3: most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? I didn't
0: know that. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. The Salvation Army's Red Kettle Campaign is kicking into high gear. Joining me today is Dan Furry with the Salvation Army of Minnesota we talk about the red kettle campaign I I know that bell ringers are essential uh, to raising those funds Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that
6: absolutely and that is a great question Uh, first off I will tell you that an unattended kettle raises no money and so um, uh, that's why having a bell ringer is so critically important and so we we have great support from people all over the state of Minnesota who sign up to, to ring kettles. Um, but but people should also know that we have thousands of uh, shifts that go unfilled. And so um, for us to be able to help people in our communities that are in need, uh, we really do appreciate people who sign up to ring a red kettle. And I just learned this this year that um, kettles, uh, people who are ringing at a red kettle, they earn uh, an average of between 60 and $90 an hour. It's phenomenal. It's very, very important uh, what, kettle, uh, what, what the bell ringers at the kettles do.
0: And, you know, let's talk about those donations. I know that this is a really major fundraiser for the Salvation Army. Is that fair to say?
6: It is fair to say. Uh, the Christmas season, of course, is uh, the time of year where we get 70% of all our donations all year round. And the red kettles are a significant part of that. So, so absolutely, it is fair to say that the kettles are an important role, play an important role. Um, And and again, it it is money that is well spent. It goes to help people in need, whether that's food or shelter or emergency financial assistance. Um, And I think it's also important to point out that the money you put in a red kettle in your hometown in your community, stays in that community. So it doesn't go off to some national uh, clearing center. It's money that goes right to the Salvation Army in your in your community. Uh, and I think uh, it's important that people know that.
0: And, you know, I, I, I hate always asking this. I feel like I'm a broken record year after year, but it seems like... Uh... Uh, Minnesotans uh, con- uh, continue to struggle, even, you know, coming out of the pandemic even further, you know, high inflation, food costs. It just seems like we can't, some of us just can't catch a breakdown. Are you seeing an increased use in your services or staying steady?
6: Uh, you know, it's a, an interesting way of putting it. You could say in a way it's staying steady, but it's much, much higher than it was prior to the pandemic. We all thought that when the pandemic was over, things might return to a degree of normalcy. But that was right about the time when inflation hit. And so, you know, the the demand for services remains high because people can't afford to pay all their bills. I I hate to think of a family who has to make a choice between buying food for their family or paying rent. And so, um, yeah, the the need is great, and we uh, continue to encourage people to help. It's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, uh, you know, the last year and a half with inflation and the economy uh, being a little bit unstable, that also affects our donors. And so um, last year was a a bit of a struggle uh, trying to meet our goal, Um, and so – uh, a lot of that had to do with inflation, uh, because again, people, people, uh, do have their own expenses they have to deal with. And even people who, um, uh, say may have investments in the market, they're a little unsure when, when the market is, is unsteady or declining. So, uh, last year was a little bit of a struggle. And, and so, uh, we're just encouraging people if they can, uh, to support their local Salvation Army and, uh, know that they're helping people in their community that can't help themselves.
0: Thanks again to my guest, Dan Furry, with the Minnesota Salvation Army. More Minnesota Matters after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radal. Holiday shopping kicks into high gear this week, and so does the Christmas tree season in Minnesota. On this Thanksgiving weekend show, Eminence Brent Palm talks with a farmer who grows trees in the state and helps promote the industry and its producers.
7: John Krieger with the Krieger's Christmas Tree Farm in Lake Elmo, also uh, vice president of the Minnesota Christmas Tree Association. Uh, First off, John, I know this thing kind of kicks off Thanksgiving week. How excited are we for this season?
5: Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, We're all very excited. We obviously uh, grow and anticipate for this time of the year, and so this is uh, definitely our, our go time. Typically, Thanksgiving weekend is our busiest weekend across the industry, but folks are coming out a little bit earlier each year and kind of kicked off during the pandemic time where people are anxious to, to get out of the house. So,
7: Well, let me ask you this. It hasn't yet, at least around here, begun to look like Christmas. Do do we care if there's not snow on the ground? Do we want it to look like the holidays in Minnesota? Well, it
5: certainly depends on uh, how much you like the snow. It's kind of a mixed balance of having the snow for the aesthetics but also at least as tree growers it makes it harder for us to get the trees out of the field and for customers to harvest on a cut your own those types of things so really the most important thing for us is a couple good hard frosts that helps the trees go dormant and kind of set their needles as we say into the season so that means they'll they'll be uh, ready for harvest and they last a bit longer when they have that good hard frost so we've already had that we had so the, the trees are looking great and it's going to be a great season.
7: Hey, let me ask you this, because I saw a headline out of Wisconsin that suggested in that state that there was a bit of a Christmas tree shortage. How are we doing in Minnesota?
5: There certainly are localized shortages across the country, but in general, and especially here in Minnesota, there are plenty of trees to go around. Each part of the country has its different weather patterns and and everything that's happened over the last eight to 10 years, uh, which, of course, is the length of time to grow our trees. So. In Minnesota, we've had some pretty good weather, even with uh, droughts the last couple of summers. The farmers are starting to understand a bit more how to grow and and make our way through those dry spells and the wet spells as well. So overall, the the state of the tree supply in Minnesota is great. Uh, But we encourage people to check with their local tree farm just to make sure they have the species and heights that they're looking for. The weather has impacted the uh, degree of growth on some trees, uh, especially Fraser firs. So there's certainly enough trees to go around. Just make sure that uh, your local farm has the heights and, and species that you're looking for.
7: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was on my list of questions. How has, I mean, we've been in a drought now three straight years in Minnesota. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to ask how, if that's had an effect.
5: Yeah, the drought has definitely had an effect, but... The, the trees are, are survivors and, and they want to grow just as much as we want them to. And, and so the trees have been even more resilient than we maybe had anticipated you know before the two or three or four years of drought here. So that's been a, a positive. We as farmers have changed the way we grow and manage the trees a bit, kind of experimenting with leaving extra grasses so the soil soil can stay shaded and cooled. A lot of us are doing uh, expanding mulch mulching to make sure that the soil moisture stays in the soil and can be shaded and more natural ways of controlling weeds. So trees are doing well, despite you know, several years of uh, uncharacteristic dry, dry spells.
7: Do you know how many Christmas tree growers are in the state? And then that makes me think to uh, the golf business, how many might have irrigation of some sort?
5: Right. So uh, there's a Minnesota Christmas Tree Association, which is a majority of the medium to larger growers in the state. We have anywhere from 75 to hundred members. And there are a number of other, Uh, growers throughout the state too, maybe on a smaller scale. So definitely over 100 different growers throughout the state. Some of them are retail um, operations, others are just wholesale or a combination thereof. So in terms of irrigation, certainly we've had to do more irrigation of of the smaller transplants and plantings. You know, the first year or two is the most critical so they can set their roots and, and start to get further down into the soil.
7: Hey, speaking of costs, any idea how much Christmas trees in Minnesota might cost this season compared to last year or previous holiday seasons? Yeah, the price of
5: trees uh, has gone up a little bit, but certainly not out of the degree of you know some other products and services. You know we have some inputs of fuel and other things that have gone up, but largely most of the costs are within each farm and so we've been able to mitigate a lot of
7: that. Hey speaking of local, I know uh, your place, Krieger's Christmas Tree Farm, is in Lake Elmo, kind of the Stillwater area. What, uh, what do you offer folks? What, what products do you guys have? What can we do at Krieger's Christmas Tree Farm?
5: Yeah, at Krieger's we have both pre-cut and cut-your-own options. Roughly half of our volume is pre-cut and the other half cut-your-own. And so folks can either pick from a, a wide selection of fresh pre-cuts or venture into the fields and uh, pick out a tree that they want from there. We uh, specialize in in great quality trees, a wide selection, and good customer service. A lot of our customers write back and say, oh, we just loved our experience. Everyone was so happy and joyful, and we really found the holiday spirit. And uh, a trip to the tree farm really kicks off that, that holiday season for people.
7: Okay. And I'm guessing if people want more info statewide, they can check in with the Minnesota Christmas Tree Association?
5: Yeah, absolutely. As folks look at where they want to get their tree this year, we certainly encourage uh, to check out the Minnesota Grown website that has a listing of all the farms across the state, as well as the Minnesota Christmas Tree Association website. So both are great sources for finding that local tree farm and uh, you know what types of trees are available and ours, those types of things.
7: Well, hey, John Krieger, thanks for joining us today and uh, hope you folks have a happy holiday season.
5: Thanks, Brent. Thanks for having us.
0: Eminence Brent Palm and John Krieger, Vice President of the Minnesota Christmas Tree Association. More Minnesota matters after this.
8: Hi.
2: Baked,
7: stoned, no matter how you say it, you're impaired. Driving high is a DWI. Drive smart. Extra
2: enforcement now on Minnesota roads. A message from the Minnesota Department of Public Safety. Veterans, whatever you're going through, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov/reach. That's va.gov/reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council.
3: Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRX to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicine safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board it's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. Thanksgiving turkeys, holiday hams, pumpkin pies, and sugar cookies alike. The holiday season brings an array of rich foods and desserts that make it hard to lay on portion control. Eminence Ashley Walker spoke to University of Minnesota Bakken Center for Spirituality and Healing's director, Dr. Mary Jo Kreitzer, on tips for maintaining mindful eating habits during this busy time of the year.
8: Dr. Kreitzer, thanks so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. And it's definitely needed because I've been thinking I'd need some mindful eating habits of my own. It's that time of year when we have back-to-back holidays filled with rich foods and with food after food after food celebrations. How can we stay mindful about our eating?
9: Yes, I mean, I think um, mindfulness is really a skill that can help us um, get through the holidays, um, Ashley. It helps us become more aware of our situation. So that we can just plan ahead and um, make better choices.
8: How can mindful eating impact our overall health, not just for big events?
9: Well, I mean, there's a number of ways that it can help um, uh, our everyday health. Um, it mindfulness helps us use all of our senses, so to you know experience and enjoy you know the food choices that we make and. I think this can improve our overall eating experience. And the biggest thing, actually, is it can help us make, um, you know, healthy choices. And so, you know, a few things. Um, you know, the, the holidays are so filled with, um, as you said, sort of a, a rich bouquet of, of you know, so often endless food options. And I think for people, it often really helps if they can plan ahead and anticipate you know, if you're going to somebody's home for dinner or you know what you're serving or you're going to a buffet, and think about, um, you know, what um, you might, m- might be served and what good choices would be for you um, to make. And so um, I think that's, that's one thing that can be helpful. Another thing that mindfulness helps us with is to actually notice if we are really hungry. And that might seem almost like an odd thing to say, but a lot of our eating is fairly mindless. So food is in front of us and we just consume. And what mindfulness helps us is to become more conscious and aware to notice, like, am I actually feeling hungry or am I about to eat because it's just in front of me or because I'm bored or because I'm anxious or stressed? Um, or sometimes it's just that, you know, meals are scheduled and mindfulness helps us as we, you know, you know sit down, you know, perhaps to eat to think about, am I really hungry? <laughs> or again, am I just, you know, sort of sitting at the table because, you know, it's a scheduled meal time and, you know, food's being served. So, you know, those are just some examples how, you know, mindfulness can help. Mindfulness is helping us be in the present moment. Notice what we are feeling our physical sensations, as well as how we are feeling um, emotionally.
8: So let's say, for example, you're at a holiday event and there's a spread of rich and lush food and people are encouraging you to eat it and drink in excess because they are. What are the best ways, what are some tips to stay mindful while eating in these situations?
7: Well,
9: one of the things that you can do is actually think of the rich um, array of food that's in front of you what would be the most satisfying? You know, what are you most, you know, you know what do you, what, what do you feel like would be, you know, the best healthy choice? And, and then think about portion control. And so, you know, you might look at things and decide, oh, I want to have a taste of potatoes and stuffing and the green bean casserole. And um, you can do that, but maybe just choose um, smaller amounts of food. Another thing that can really help, Ashley, is to eat slowly. And, you know, eat slowly, you know, you know, can mean chewing your food really, really well, putting down your fork um, between um, bites. Um, And, you know, it takes time for the messages in our stomach that we have had enough to eat to reach our brain. It's estimated that 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 actually can take about 20 minutes for that message to be sent to the brain. And so that's actually why um, a lot, um, often people overeat. Um, So, you know, they should really be eating till they're about 80% full, knowing that in about 20 minutes they will be full.
8: In the realm of grocery shopping, how do you shop mindfully and not just grab what you want or, worse, what you're craving at the moment?
9: Well, absolutely. I think that's such a good point, planning, um, you know, the trip to the grocery store. And so actually thinking about the meals that you're going to be preparing Um, And and making a list um, so you, you know, sort of, you know, know what it is that you need. And, you know, um, often it's the periphery of the grocery store where you find fresh fruits and fresh vegetables. And, you know, like in the middle of the grocery store where there's a lot of more highly processed food, those are often aisles that are, um, you know, really good to, um, you know, to avoid and one of the tips I sometimes think um, I give people actually around grocery shopping and, and stocking their pantry is think about having available um, food that helps makes it easy to do the right thing, easy to do, you know, make the right choice. So if you have available, you know, carrot sticks and celery sticks and fresh fruit and, and, and an apple and sort of healthy options it makes it easy to do. But if you don't have any of those, you know, options, it's much easier to, you know, you know, open the pantry and, you know, grab a bag of, you know, chips or, you know, eat something else, um, you know, fairly mindlessly. So make it easy to do the right thing and hard to do um, the wrong thing. So I sometimes say, you know, food that you know that you're more inclined to eat when you're bored or restless or stressed or anxious, don't have it in the house. <laughs> that can be, um, you know, a way to, you know, avoid, you know, having to fight those triggers.
0: Eminem's Ashley Walker and the U of M's Dr. Mary Jo Kreitzer. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Minnesota Matters. Be sure to join us again next week on this MN affiliate station, same time, same place. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Tasha Radol.